It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. A recording studio is a specialized facility for recording, production, and mixing. These spaces are expertly designed by audio and acoustic professionals to achieve optimum acoustic properties and create the magic for the music artists to get the best out of their projects. Professional studios have the latest audio technology, abilities to make recordings sound amazing, and have a special creative environment. One such facility is the topic of our conversation today. It's called Manifold Recording, which is located on 17 acres of beautiful rural land in North Carolina. Manifold is not only a high-end, full-scale, state-of-the-art facility, but it is also a carbon-neutral, solar-powered recording studio. Vocalist and composer Serentip who is a guest of ours during Season 3 on Episode 15, chose this carbon-neutral Manifold Studios to record her latest album titled Carbon, which she thought would be the perfect place for this musical project, which is inspired by climate change. It's a solar-powered studio, and the owner, Michael Tiemann, he um, actually built the entire studio from the ground up to be a music studio. A lot of studios, for instance, in New York City, it's a building, and then you rent or buy a specific rooms or rooms, and then you build a studio into it. He built the entire building to be a music studio, so it's perfectly acoustically treated. It sounds amazing, and it's also making sure that it's in harmony with the nature surrounding it so the entire it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere and when you're there you're you don't barely have any cell service there's deers roaming around on their property there's the forest right there so it's it's really incredible studio you trap me My guest today is Michael Tiemann, who is the co-owner and general manager of this carbon-neutral, energy-producing, state-of-the-art musical sanctuary. Thank you for being our guest, Michael, on All That's Jazz. It's my pleasure. This is a rather unique thing for us to engage in because we've done so many different episodes about the music business itself, from artists to educational outlets and venues and artists. But the one thing we've been missing until now is a recording studio. You are certainly one of the most integral parts of the music business, you are a very high-end and certainly full-service carbon-neutral recording studio. You started back in 2011, I believe. We opened the doors officially. We got our certificate of occupancy in 2011, but we actually started uh, designing the studio in uh, 2000 and I want to say seven, and uh, we broke ground in 2008. Tell me first off about the the beginnings of, of how it is that you ended up in North Carolina. A little bit about yourself then, if we will. Are you originally sure. from New York? 
I'm originally from upstate New York. I went to schools on the East Coast. I got my first job in Austin, Texas doing computer research. And then uh, I slingshotted my way to Silicon Valley in 1988, where I joined uh, as a uh, graduate student at Stanford University. But I had this idea about software development that uh, that I thought Silicon Valley would embrace. It was a radical idea of collaborative uh, software development, community-based software development, using principles of sharing as a means of uh, collective and uh, and ultimately competitive advantage. But the ideas were too radical for Silicon Valley. Nobody nobody was interested in uh, starting such a company. So. I had to do it myself. When you were there, you you were either the developer or at least uh, the champion of a, a paradigm on uh, a, a software called open source. Tell us about that. Yeah, the principles of open source software development recognize that when everybody has the same freedoms to read, modify, and share software, it breaks down barriers to participation. It dramatically democratizes the ability for people to contribute, uh, whether something highly technical or something very general. And the belief was that by harnessing the enormous potential reach of um, uh, that the internet promised. And remember, in 1988, people didn't really realize just how big the internet could be. But we had this vision that connecting software development to the internet would create an enormous uh, cognitive wellspring that could develop the finest software in the world. And that's essentially what happened. <laughs> Was this in any way the, the uh, I guess, the genesis of where this would manifest itself to recording audio and video later in your life? There were a couple of other steps along the way, um, a little bit of expansion of the footprint of content sharing via the World Wide Web, a legal regime for that with Creative Commons. And then the third piece of the puzzle was the sustainable ag movement known as Slow Food from Carlo Petrini, who put forward this idea that the way to really restore the wholesomeness and deliciousness and and the real, you know, life-giving nature of food was to was to restore its organic uh, production rather than constantly concentrate it, industrialize it. And I sort of felt like music needed a little bit of that kind of reformation. And so uh, the 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 concepts of collaboration, creativity, and and organic production all felt like something ready to come to the music world. Of course, your your background is not entirely all technical or science and engineering, et cetera. There, there is a musical component to your life. There is. There is. I actually, uh, uh, I left home when I was 10. <laughs> hmm. it, it, it sounds like I just left home, but no, I actually went to a boarding school in Manhattan where I was a member of the St. Thomas Church Boy Choir. And for four years, I was a professional musician singing services on Fifth Avenue, uh, three, four times a week. And that really tuned my ear. My sort of 
godfather of a sense, a good friend of my uh, parents, who was an engineer at Columbia Recording Studios, would sort of look after me on free weekends from the school. He actually engineered a number of Miles Davis recordings. And so I was, I, I was able to listen to pre-release versions of Columbia Records recordings of Miles Davis because that's what he would bring home and make sure that it's, you know, it sounds right on the home stereo. So that was kind of exciting as well. And so this combination of exposure to, uh, you know, great jazz and exposure to um, diatonic scales and the discipline of singing mm -hmm. did give me a background that uh, helped me later really appreciate how this gets put into action. So did you continue a path professionally within music or recording or studios? It did not. I, I hung out with people who were connected with that, and I, uh, I enjoyed listening to them uh, perform, and, and uh, I, I really got jazzed looking at how the recording process worked. But it wasn't until I, I uh, sold my company to Red Hat in January of 2000 that I moved to North Carolina started getting more familiar with the territory here and also where I started really connecting these concepts of the slow food uh, sustainable ag movement and this sort of um, unanswered questions about what how, how could these ideas from farming and agriculture re-relate to music because we all know that music has been an integral part of culture you know, on in in farming activities, in celebratory, you know, environments, et cetera, et cetera. And so mm -hmm. looking at how does this work in the 21st century? What brought you to the, the, the point of where you thought, well, you know what? I really should be involved in the recording industry and build a studio. What was the impetus for that? Part of it, part of it was when you spend 20 years writing software, you begin to crave doing something a little more concrete. Software is very abstract. You can't touch it. And even though you can see its influence, you can see that, you know, all these stock exchanges and all these banks and all these major manufacturing companies are using stuff that you wrote. That's cool. But uh, as I, as I contemplated, uh, what next I might do in North Carolina. We found this beautiful piece of land, 17 acres out in uh, uh, rural Chatham County. And the idea of creating a kind of a residential recording studio just seemed inescapable. Did you identify within that community where you are that maybe there was a void in terms of artistry uh, and the music? Not, not, or not a void in terms of artistry. There are some great artists here, and there are actually some good recording engineers as well. But what there, but what there wasn't, what there wasn't, was a studio that sort of had the scale of the old studios, Columbia Record, you know. Columbia Records, 30th Street Studios in New York. There were, there, there, there was a kind of magic that happened in the big room that uh, smaller studios approximate and they and they strive to achieve. But uh, I saw an opportunity to create that and also to do so intentionally, which kind of begins to tie into the carbon neutrality and it ties into the organic architecture of the studio. It is a way of creating a space where everything about the space is harmonious 
in its support of the artist. Well, it's in a very beautiful setting as well. If one looks at the uh, photography that's uh, on your website, and and you can see that it's very rural, but with you, it seems like you're getting the best of both worlds. You have a, a little escape away from the city, uh, and, and you are an environment that is not only carbon neutral, but just an exquisite place and a connection to nature and and a place to create absolutely and it's a it's an opportunity for people to leave some of their cares behind and and really sort of focus on that creativity you have a, a rather beautiful facility and it, it seems from the perspective of looking at a photo that it uh, it seems rather immense uh, and and large in scale what what's the size of the building yeah so the i think the main building is 4000 square feet we have a building we call the annex which is about uh, 1700 square feet and in the main building the main music room facility is about uh, a 1400 square foot uh, room in a elongated hexagonal structure with 24 foot ceiling. So it's got a lot of volume and the volume translates to a lot of good RT60. But we have also built in diffusion into the walls so that uh, while we while we support that reverberation, the reverberation is clean and it's even and doesn't have modal buildup, no flutter echo. And the result is that uh, you get uh, a studio that balances the needs of a space that is dry enough that you can really focus on getting you know the sound if you want but also has the 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 reverb as well which is sort of the magic it is the sauce that ties everything together so did you consult with or or engage with people that were either acoustic engineers or or people that were sound engineers in in your development of the physical plant yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I, I had no expertise in any of that stuff. I, I had a sort of an idea and I, I, I did some outreach to sort of see if anybody was game to take on, you know, part of the job of realizing the idea. And I really found a fantastic match with Wesla show who it turned out, I mean, I was, I was prepared to engage, uh, a studio designer from anywhere in the world. And it turned out that he also lived in Chapel Hill. But uh, he has uh, he has himself uh, won a number of um, or has has had studios uh, nominated for tech awards, and he's 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 designed some of the most substantial studios out there now. Manifold was definitely something that made it obvious to a lot of people that he could he could do anything that people wanted him to do. But in the process of talking with him about the program, in the process of talking with him about the acoustics, he brought his 20 plus years of expertise as a studio owner and designer to the uh, to the task. And he taught me a tremendous amount about, you know, the integrity of building, the integrity of design, the integrity of acoustics. It just like, it was a fantastic um education that took place over the three years it took to actually get the buildings built and and certified. Tell me about the carbon neutral aspect of it. Did you engage uh, or hire a uh, an environmentalist or, or is it uh, through your own uh, love and uh, appreciation and commitment to environment 
that you decided I, I, to make it carbon neutral? Yeah, it's more it's more the second. Uh, I had I talked with a number of people about lead certification and how much paperwork to benefit ratio there was and so forth and so on. But the but the but the big idea there are sort of two things that uh, that really well three things that really work in our favor. So one is what we settled on was a design of a solar array that first of all uh, delivered about four times the energy that the studio itself needed. So that's that's solar energy as a carbon neutral source and that puts us over the top there. And the other thing that was cool about this is that we elevated the solar panels so that one could actually do agriculture beneath them. The second thing is we happen to be serviced by a nuclear power plant, which is also carbon neutral. Wow. <laughs> And then the third thing is, is that we also, because of the 16 acres, 17 acres of, um, of rural land, most of which is forested, we have actually an enormous carbon sequestration capacity. So whether you look at it from the perspective of carbon offsets of the forest zone sequestration, whether you look at it from the nuclear power perspective, or you look at it the solar perspective, you got three different ways of solving that problem. And uh, and so we didn't need a lot of paperwork to convince ourselves that that was a good solution. At this point, you've developed this beautiful and wonderful facility. It's carbon neutral. Uh, and uh, it was uh, also, according to your website, uh, at an undisclosed location near Pittsburgh, uh, North Carolina. That sounds very uh, mysterious. We just uh, we we wanted people to feel like uh, when they when they came there they didn't need to worry about you know being un undue subjects of attention. So uh, we have had some pretty famous names there, and it's 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 nice for them to just know that um, when they're there, they're 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 in a safe space. During our conversation today, I asked Michael if he wouldn't mind naming some of those famous artists who have recorded and experienced all that is manifold and what it has to offer. He said they include people like vocalist Nina Freelon, whose album Time Traveler is a sonic love letter to her husband Phil. <laughs> Like nobody's loved you Come rain or shine High as a mountain Deep as a river Come rain or shine Then there's also pianist Joey Calderazzo's release, Going Home.
Another artist who has graced the studios at Manifold is internationally renowned vibraphonist, pianist, composer, and arranger Christian Tambor, who laid down the tracks of his album, The Awakening. also asked Michael if he would offer us a few more names of musicians who have recorded at Manifold. Sure. Uh, uh, we had uh, Bela Fleck do half of his uh, album, The Imposter, at the studio. He recorded with the uh, string quartet Brooklyn Rider, who are heroes of their own. writer musicians have played with uh, Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road Ensemble on a number of projects. We've had uh, Jimmy Herring, a legendary prog rock uh, guitarist. Uh, Wayne Krantz, another legendary prog rock guitarist. We've had uh, Branford Marsalis come in and record a number of projects, some for movies. Uh, he he uh, recorded the soundtrack to The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which is a, a fantastic award-winning movie mm -hmm. uh, about, um, about what has become one of the most important discoveries in the world of curing cancer and the untold story of the, of the woman whose burden it was to help in a very strange way. You know, speaking of uh, the Marsalis crew, we have recorded local artists. There's a jazz youth ensemble, the Triangle Jazz Youth Ensemble, who began competing at the right. Essentially Ellington competitions hosted by Winton and adjudicated by Winton Marsalis at Jazz at Lincoln Center. And we have done now, I don't know, eight uh, of their uh, annual auditions. And they they rank very highly now. They're a, they're a top competitive team. so proud of what they've been able to do so we work with high school students we do audition you know recordings for people to go into top programs around the world yeah 
So when you built this facility, how did you begin to develop uh, the core of it in terms of the activity within the building? Uh, how, how did you reach out to the music uh, community, whether it be local, nationally, globally? Yeah, we, we held a series of uh, charrettes where we invited people who were part of the music scenes. I happened to be on the board of the Carolina Performing Arts Association, which is the, which is the presentation um, uh, company for UNC Chapel Hill. So we have mm. world-class musicians coming through uh, Chapel Hill all of the time. And then I also was a trustee of UNC School of the Arts, which is a magnificent university of arts conservatories, where in addition to having lots of uh, great connections with the artistic communities that are well-developed, it's also a great opportunity to to see students who are, who are asking the questions, how do you do art in 2020? How do you do art in 2021? And really getting tuned in. So I was not able to trade on any of those appointments for, you know, ethical reasons. But what I was able to do was I was able to observe a lot about how these things work and, uh, and uh, gain uh, connections uh, fr from people who thought that they could help the artists by introducing them to me. Well, besides all the environmental aspects, uh, there's also within the context of your facility there, state-of-the-art equipment. And, yeah. and that's what a, a, a recording artist really needs to have to put their sound out there to make it of the best quality that there is to offer. Yeah. You've got it all. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that there is any, any void whatsoever about uh, anyone's needs being fulfilled when coming to record at your studio. We, we do have a lot of toys. We've got a phenomenal mic locker with Telefunkens and Neumanns and Sheps and uh, DPAs and all kinds of good things. We've got a wonderful API console that gives us you know headroom and sounds for days we've got a pretty hefty uh collection of synthesizers guitars and guitar amplifiers but we also of course welcome musicians to bring with them their favorite things and sometimes that involves bringing their favorite guitar sometimes it involves them actually you know having a piano moved in from charlotte for the weekend <laughs> so but those know, are the, the kinds of things that you provide if they don't have them yeah, yeah. And the facility just, it seems very luxurious. And uh, in, in looking again at, at the photos and some video that I've seen, uh, and it, it seems like the best environment for the creative art. Well, I, th I thank you for that. The, uh, the, the, the luxury, in a sense, is a, is a luxury that comes a little bit from its sparseness. Uh, it's a, it, there's a way in which it's, 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 it follows a little bit of a minimalist uh, aesthetic. I get the impression that uh, as a full-service facility, you help plan the recording Absolutely. session, and that yep. seems to be very integral to what you do. Yes. We have to, we definitely want to make it easy for people to know, you know, how do you get food? How do you, how do you get to your quarters? What's the, what's the transportation situation look like? What are some things to do when you need to, you know, get people a little bit apart for a while? You know, there, there's wonderful kayaking, beautiful rivers, uh, very, very close by. It's in a 
it's 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 really close to one of the biggest uh, state parks uh, in the Triangle, and so that's a that's a nice little amenity as well. But yes, we we definitely provide our local expertise and just try and help make sure that people can use the space to the best of their advantage. You have all the toys, so to speak, in terms of fulfilling the desire to produce the sound that an artist wants. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously, uh, our engineering crew uh, who um, work with the artists, they they need to, on the one hand, keep things open enough that they're really exploring all the options, but then also know how to cone that down and, you know, come up with a deterministic plan that says, here are the best three options, and we really don't need to look at options 12, 13, and 14, um, which can, you know, be a curse if you have too many, too many options. But, but, the, but again, what also, it, it becomes a sort of a self-solving process in this sense, which is that the way that the studio responds as an environment, uh, it also sort of has a voice that guides people to this is how we should this is what we should do this is how we should do it and you know let's let's follow the voice you know of that room so there's a way in which the studio you know is sort of secretly guiding people to a good result and that is again the genius of the acoustics of the environment but at the same time i think it points out uh, the fact that you can not only record a solo artist or a trio, but you can do a full-on orchestra at your facility. Absolutely, yeah. Our, our record so far is uh, we did the chamber orchestra. They scored a recording uh, for a ballet, and uh, the uh, I think we had forty-one musicians in the studio, full chamber orchestra with percussion, winds, strings, harp, piano, three vocalists. You name it kettle drums, it was all there. And you do it all from uh, start to finish, uh, soup to nuts, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we have a, a large, uh, we have a large space where you can, you know, you can park 25 cars and unload. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got uh, dozens of music stands, dozens, you know, we have 60 chairs, so we can, we can really accommodate a large number of people in the space when we have to. But at the same time, four or five people can, you know, take it over and have just as much fun. What's the most unique aspect about Manifold uh, that you offer that others don't? I would say that the, the way that the, that the whole studio uh, provides a unified visual unified architectural and unified acoustic environment it 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 really makes people feel as if they they are almost in a sacred space uh, people talk about sacred geometry and as you may know in the world of sacred geometry the golden ratio is one of those big deals one of the cool things about the golden ratio a reason that you see the golden ratio so often in nature is because it is a kind of a self-repeating pattern that arises in nature. But how that relates back to the studio is that golden ratio is everywhere in the studio. And we don't like shout it from the rooftops every time it's there, but it's pretty much everywhere you look. And, and the feeling that you get 
in an environment which has all those self-referential relationships mm. and, and it's inviting you to become a part of that relationship. It's something that you feel like an energy and, uh, and, and artists, artists will just tell us like, I don't know why I feel so good here, but I, I just, there's something that's like making my arms, you know, hair stand up. What is that? And I think that that's, that's, that's something you can't, you know, deliver with a piece of equipment. It's mm -hmm. not something you can deliver, you know, with uh, um, uh, with a particular instrument. It's something that happens as a holistic result. Well, and of course, uh, because creating the arts, you need to have that environment that emotes uh, and and delivers that which you're trying to achieve uh, with your work. Yep. Yep. So what other sort of accolades do some of the artists that have recorded with you say about Manifold Studios? Well, yeah, th so there's a couple of things. One is when, when artists come in the door and they just they just get excited because the architecture is speaking to them. And I've, I've heard more than one artist say, this place makes my OCD so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but what I also love is I, I love the way that when the mix is coming together and the elements, you know, once things have all sort of been balanced and you can start bringing the ingredients together. And if, if we were to use a cooking analogy, it's kind of like when the, when the sauce begins to meld with the, you know, with the meal and it's just, it's all, it's all coming together and you see the smiles starting to appear on people's face and they're like, yes, yes, yes. We, you know, that's it. That's the lightning in the bottle that we were looking to get. I have had uh, a, a number of a number of times uh, musicians will take me aside and say, "The thing that I really like about this studio is how well I can hear myself." There's a lot of studios where the way that the reflections work and so forth and so on. And people, of course, they they use headphones to isolate and so forth and so on. But ultimately a lot of musicians find themselves kind of running away from the confusion of sounds that can exist in some environments. And uh, when, when, when people come up and say, it's, it's just remarkable how clearly I can hear myself and how clearly I can hear other people, which makes me play better, <laughs> which makes me respond better. That is, that is another you know, big check mark for me. How could our listeners learn more about Manifold Studios? Yeah, the website is www.manifoldrecording.com. If you come to the website, you can certainly see uh, our picture gallery. You can explore the equipment, which is all listed. Uh, you can also uh, look at um, uh, our floor plan, which you can print out. And if you have a large format printer, it looks really cool. And we do have a YouTube channel and an Instagram channel. And so on YouTube, we have videos under Manifold Recording. We sort of do the behind the scenes of recording projects. We also have a, a site called the Mirrorverse, which is when we do concerts, which we really haven't done since COVID, but we've had some amazing, amazing concerts. You can see some fine musicianship in a sort of a, a live kind of think of it as a high-end private concert. Mm -hmm. That's that's the mirrorverse. 
and those and then Instagram is an easy thing to follow and just you know see what happens when new people show up and we take a little picture and tell people about it. We want people to sort of know what to expect, know how to be successful. You know, every session we we learn something, we try and put that that we learn back into the process so we're always delivering a better service to our artists. Well, and you do it in a fine setting. It's a beautiful facility. It's very high end. Uh, certainly, there's an emphasis on full service, uh, and uh, and a, an absolutely wonderful aspect about uh, your facility is that it's a carbon neutral recording facility. I'm sure that it's a, a big draw in terms of attracting business. Yep. So. Well, Michael, I, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to speak with us and to be our guest on All That's Jazz. Yeah, I, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with Michael Tiemann, co-owner and general manager of Manifold Recording. We'd like to thank Ben Sedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. And visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on All That's Jazz. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.